This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. And remember, for all of your wagering needs, especially now as we look ahead to uh, all the festivities and everything that surrounds the Super Bowl. Uh, for your wagering needs in New York and New Jersey, it's Bet Rivers. In Connecticut, it's Play Sugar House. So go to the uh, apps, go to the BetRivers.com, go to the apps for either one and check it out. Uh, the updated Bet Rivers numbers for the Super Bowl are as uh, follows. Right now, the Chiefs are a two-point underdog. Remember, the Chiefs are right now in the middle of a streak, 15 straight postseason games they've been favored. They wound up the favorite by one and a half in the game against the Bengals. It went back and forth uh, all week, but they wound up being favored. They've been favored in 15 straight postseason games, an all-time NFL record. Um, they are two-point underdogs to the Eagles. Now, the Eagles punished two overmatched opponents. Now, San Francisco was a legitimately good team, but when you have no quarterback, obviously you're going to get the kind of figure you got, but when you look at the numbers and how dominant they've been in their two playoff games, very hard not to favor them, even against a team as good as the Chiefs. So uh, Eagles, two-point favorites, over under 49.5. That's where we are right now. Uh, Again, a two-point, I doubt it could get to three. I don't think it would ever get more than three. I think it might touch three at some point and then back down. I, but I think it's going to be right around where it is right now for the for the game by the time it's over. I think you'll see plenty of money both ways. Uh, and I think it's a highly competitive game. The uh, Chiefs have injuries, but they also have Mahomes. The Eagles are blessed with tremendous line play both ways. they got a great offensive line. They are uh, prodigious in their pass rush. They're one of the best pass rush teams of all time. The only team that ever recorded more was the Bears, and it was the you know mid eighty Bears, the great Bears teams that back to back years had more sacks than the uh, Eagles had this year. But for running the football and for sacking the quarterback, this Eagle team is you know an all time team. It really is, and uh, they are an impressive bunch, no question about it. So, and there's a lot there, obviously, because you have Andy going against his old team and everything else. And when you realize, you know, how much time Andy spent in both franchises, it's very much the Andy Reid Bowl. There's no question about it. Plus, there'll be a lot of attention, as there always is, on the two quarterbacks uh, in the game. Uh, with Hurts and his story, Mahomes and his story, both obviously being uh, African-American quarterbacks, that'll be a big issue, too, because it's never happened before. Um, I never even thought of it. I, I saw it the other night that I didn't, I didn't even, you know, we've gotten to the point now with black or African-American quarterbacks where there's been so many of them, it's not an issue anymore. 
I mean, it's to me, it was an issue. It was an enormous issue, uh, and it was a barrier. But it's no longer an issue to me. You're a barrier. It's not anything. I mean, it, to me, it doesn't even raise an eyebrow anymore because we've been down that road for so many years with so many good ones. Um, and obviously, uh, Hurst has made himself a top line player. He's a finalist for the MVP. I think Mahomes going to win it. We all do. I think if Hurts hadn't gotten hurt, I think he might have won it. But I think Mahomes is going to win it. And obviously, Mahomes has already built an incredible career at this point. All right, let's get to some emails as we uh, like to do. Uh, remember, if you want to send one, send it to Mike Francesa Podcast at gmail.com. That's where you send it, uh, Mike Francesa Podcast at gmail.com. Joe's thoughts are so if the Jets have no identity at MetLife. How would you feel about a move to City Field and would the cost be astronomical? Uh, it's not feasible now. If the Jets ever go to uh, Queens, and I think Woody is dead set against it, uh, it would have to be with a new stadium. And I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, it would be astronomical. That place is not, as a ballpark, it's not built as a stadium, it's not built for football. Um, they turned down a plan. That the Mets had, and the Mets had a very feasible plan to have a multi-purpose studio uh, uh, stadium that was going to actually have two fields, but one middle section that served as, uh, you know, press box and luxury box and every and luxury boxes and everything that could be used both ways, but there would be two distinct fields. It was a very, very innovative and Beautiful facsimile. I saw it. And the Jets wanted no part of it. They thought they could get the West Side at that time. I, for one, told you forever that was never going to happen uh, because the people who live there are very politically attuned and they, they don't want it. They shut down Westway and everybody wanted that from the president to the governor to the mayor. They shut it down and they shut down the stadium. It wasn't MSG that shut down the stadium. It was the, it was the people on the, on the West Side that shut down the stadium. They don't want it. They never wanted it. Uh, they didn't want their way of life changed. So the bottom line is it was never going to happen. But that was always the pipe dream was that he was going to get his New York City stadium. And it didn't happen, and it's not going to happen. So he'll either stay there as a co-tenant or build another stadium somewhere else, which I don't think he'll ever wind up doing because a football stadium isn't used enough to offlay the cost of what it would take to build one of those ballparks. So it would have to be in conjunction with something else, and I just don't think it's there. Brendan. I know you're a Jimmy G fan, but I think he's too injury prone. That's a fair knock. Uh, Jackson and Rogers could be on the move. I don't think Lamar's leaving Baltimore. I think he's staying. I think they built that team around him. I think he's absolutely staying. Rogers could be on the move. Clearly could be on the move. That is a fact. I think the Jets can, if they want to pay the price, can get Rogers. Who should they get? I think they should get Rogers if they can get him. Uh, it will be a costly maneuver. They will have to do some salary cap move uh, machinations to do that. Okay. But can they do it? Yes, they could. It will also be very costly in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, cost of the trade it would be two number one picks, I believe, or somewhere maybe a little less, maybe one or two, but something like that. The NFL set the salary cap this year at 224.8. That'll be the, the salary cap in the coming season, 
0.8, but I would get Rodgers. Even if Jackson was available, I would still get Rodgers. But I don't think that uh, Rodgers, I don't think Jackson is available. And if you ask me right now, put a gun to my head, what do I think Rodgers is next year? I still think he's in Green Bay. I think the Jets have a shot, but I still think he's in Green Bay. Um, John, I'm too young to have ever seen Wyatt Tittle. Well, unless you're really old, you're not going to have seen Wyatt Tittle play. Uh, can you give us perspective on how good he was? Uh, I saw him play as a boy. Tittle had an interesting career. He was always a very talented quarterback. He was always a very talented. He was a talented player at LSU. He was a talented player in San Francisco. Uh, led the league in touchdowns there. Um, made all pro there. He was traded to the Giants and considered washed up. And he then had his most prolific seasons, leading the league in all passing stats, leading the league in touchdowns, winning the MVP, uh, being all pro, leading the Giants to everything but a championship. Leading him to the playoffs, but not leading him to a championship. They never won a championship. He is a Hall of Famer. When he left the league, he had most of the passing records. And, you know, he was, for the era, a prolific passer. No question about it. And really, when he came to the Giants, had a new life because he was traded and considered an old man, just like Frank Robinson was traded from the Reds and considered old, and then went to the Reds and had a went to the Orioles and had a brilliant second career, including an MVP, including championships, including a triple crown. Uh, same thing, Tittle. He came to the Giants and flourished and had huge years uh, and led him to everything except a title. Giants played the championship game a ton of times in the late 50s and early 60s, and lost every one of them. And then they went into their bad days, post-64, until really Perkins and Slash Parcells, in the early 80s, the Giants were terrible for a very long time. From the post-Tittle days all the way to the really, you want to get to it, to the Parcells days, where they became champions. Uh, Matt, can you please explain how Keith Hernandez is not in the Hall of Fame? Um, the fact that they take watered-down candidates and now try to put them in the Hall of Fame and are successful in putting some of them in the Hall of Fame. And they have let guys in the Hall of Fame in recent years that I would not vote for. But, again, Hernandez is a wonderful player, but... As a Hall of Famer, you're still going to consider first base an offensive position. He's up against people who hit 500 and 600 home runs at the position. He was not a home run hitter. He did not do what Carew did and bat 340. He did not, he's not a lifetime 300 hitter. He was a co MVP one year. He only knocked in 100 ones, I believe, once in his career. Uh, maybe twice, but I think, I think only once. Um, he's not a home run hitter. He was the best fielding first baseman of all time. I don't think there's any question. He revolutionized the position defensively, but it is not a position where you're going to get into the hall of fame as a defensive player. It's just not that position. There are positions. Um, it's just the way it is. Okay, that, and, and let me say this again because it comes up often about Mattingly. 
about many players. If I say a guy is not a Hall of Famer, or I would not vote for him in the Hall of Fame, I am, first of all, a very hard grader for the Hall of Fame. Okay? Number one. Number two, that is not a knock. The Hall of Fame is really for the upper 1%. If you're a wonderful player, you could still be in the 90 percentile as a Keith Hernandez is. Better than 90-something percent of the players who played in the Hall of Fame, but played in the, in the major leagues, but that doesn't make you a Hall of Famer. Don Mattingly has a better case than Hernandez, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. And because they let guys in who don't really deserve it, doesn't mean I'm going to change my mind on the other guys. And I just don't consider it a knock. And I know it means a ton. Okay? It means so much to these guys. And I don't make it personal. I just give you an opinion one or the other, but I understand it's personal for them. They want to get in the Hall. Anybody wants to get in the Hall. When you get into the Hall of Fame in the business that you were in, it's an incredible honor. I've been fortunate enough to have that happen. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a distinct honor. And you understand it's a distinct honor. And you treat it as such. And, that, and when you're out of the game, it's the last thing that happens for you because it doesn't happen until you're out of the game for a while. And then it's the only thing that you're really tangibly going to change in your career. And plus, in baseball especially, it's worth money. It's marketable. You can market yourself if you're in the Hall of Fame. So it, it actually is, you know, a way to make money, which is important to these guys too in later years. So I understand all the ideas and all the trappings, but I just got to tell you what I think. If you're the Giants can you, and you can only sign either Barkley or Lawrence, which would you sign? Listen, I have told you many times, and this is not a knock on Barkley, I don't revel in paying enormous second-time quarterback, uh, second-time running back contracts. Number two, I think it is a position that is most times better served by multiple players so that you get the best. It's a situational position. The passing game is more important now. Having a better quarterback without question. Having a better wide receiver is more important than having a great running back. And it's a position that you break into three parts. The runner, and you can even break it into four and say the inside runner, the outside runner, the short down runner, the guy who can give you the home run, the guy who can give you the short yardage dependability, and then the guy who can pick up the blitz and the guy who can catch the ball. If you can get all that in one player, God bless you. If you have to get it in two or three players, it's a lot more economical. If I have to give up somebody at a big price, I'm not giving up a defensive lineman. I'm not giving up a wide receiver. I'm not giving up a quarterback. I'm giving up a running back. So he would be the casualty. Dennis from Queens. Do you think A-Rod is a top 10 player in Major League history? If you take out steroids... And we put those aside and just base it on the times he spent between the white lines. He is a top 10 player of all time, yes. Jason in Brooklyn. Since 2001, when they have let in, here's a Hall of Fame question, let in guys like Puckett and Baines, et cetera, et cetera, that 
Now you have other players, and they mentioned some others. Uh, it's going to be hard to continue to argue that Mattingly wasn't worthy. Listen, again, because they let somebody slip between the cracks, does not. I think it does help the candidacy of the Mattingly and Hernandez of the world. But I don't know if it ensures them to get in. Listen, if Don Mattingly or Keith Hernandez get in the Hall of Fame, God bless them. I'm just asked, would you vote for them? Now, Mattingly was a lock Hall of Famer if he didn't hurt his back. I mean, he was on his way. He was the best player in the league at one point. You can't say that about a lot of guys. He just did not do it over a long enough period of time. That's the problem. He was on his way as sure as day into the Hall of Fame if he just stayed healthy. Why, uh, here's another one, this is from Mike. Why is Bavaro never in the Hall of Fame discussion? Um, Bavaro was a great player. I don't have any problem saying that. He also suffered from injuries and it hurt and shortened his career. The problem is this position has changed radically. And you have now modern numbers as a position that just blow away tight ends. First of all, there are not a lot of old tight ends in the Hall of Fame. Number two, now the position has been radically changed so that you have guys who really aren't, quote-unquote, prototypical Bavaro-type tight ends. Kittles is a Bavaro-type tight end in that he's a fierce blocker and a great receiver. Very few do that. Kelsey is the more prototype now, and Kelsey's the best receiving tight end ever, but he's not the greatest blocker in the world, nor is he asked to be. They line him up in multiple ways, and he is their primary target, and he is brilliant at it. Uh, The Kelseys of the world now make it very hard for the old-style tight end to get into the Hall of Fame because the numbers just aren't there. Uh, Dan says, we've seen Daniel Jones take a leap under the influence of Dable. In your opinion, what quarterback had the most promise but never fulfilled it based on poor coaching? Um, That list is so long we could have been here. We could be here tomorrow. Um, Mike Holmgren, who was considered a quarterback coach, okay, said to me, by far, the worst coach position in the NFL is quarterback. I've had other head coaches say to me, we make more mistakes at quarterback personnel-wise than we make at any, any position. I think all that's true because the position has become so important that it has been raised to a level that the only thing you can equate it to is being the star of an NBA team and being an all-world player. And you become like a LeBron James type or a player of that magnitude or, or, you know, or the freak. The, you become a player, or Luca. Uh, you become a player of that magnitude. That's how important the quarterback is now. You know, there are three things that have to be in place to win championships. Ownership, 
has to have their head screwed on right. Coach and quarterback. That's it. Now, that doesn't mean you can never win a championship with a okay quarterback. But even that year when that happens, that quarterback usually has raised his game in the year that he, he might not do it for a career, but he'll have raised his game enough uh, in those playoffs in that year to be a different player than he's been in the past. Doesn't happen otherwise. John emails, what are your thoughts on uh, Hodgins' future with the Giants? I, I Listen, I said this before. He's a keeper. I think the Giants clearly either have to go out in free agency or through the draft, and it can be done through the draft because these guys can step out of a college campus and start and be prominent players in the NFL at wide receiver. It can be done. It's one of the few positions where I don't think there's any learning curve. I think they can do it when they're very talented. Uh, I believe that he's a keeper, though. I think he should be here. I think he's got a definitive role, and I think he will be a very useful player uh, for years to come. So I, I like keeping him. I really do. I think he's a keeper. Uh, Pat emails, do you think Deshaun Watson will return to play at the level he was before his suspension? Until I see it, I'm going to say no. I think he went through a lot. I think it was uh, damaging both to his career and to his psyche. And uh, he looked very shaky and played very poorly when he came back this year. He uh, knocked the rust off. We'll see how he does next year. But I think it's asking a lot. Lewis asks, have you seen the new Madoff documentary? Uh, Can you give your perspective on the whole situation again? I don't really want to go into any length of it. The bottom line is, Here's the, here's the thing. What he showed was, and he was not a man without a lot of talent. He had a lot of ability, and he was very smart. But he was also diabolically evil. Um, what it shows is that you can reach a level of success where you become branded as such a success that no one even would think of even checking up on you. And that's what happened. Remember, here's the key to this. All they had to do, all the SEC investigators had to do was come, take his number, and he gave them a number. He gave them a fictitious number. What's your number? He gave them the number. If they make that, and he went home that weekend and they make that phone call, it's over. It's over. The game's over. They didn't have anything there. So there was no there there. But because of who he was, because of his incredible success, of, because all the things that had been bestowed on him, head of this, head of that, you know, rubbed elbows with world leaders, with, with uh, presidents, with this, with that. The bottom line is, no one even thought, hey, he's made off. Why even bother even, you know, hey, don't even bother. And he was so comfortable at displaying his success and his image that he conned them. He was a great con man. He wasn't a good con man. He was a great con man. I asked a man who used to do business, who used to be one of my financial advisors. 
a very prominent guy, a guy who was the, in the past, has been the uh, mutual fund manager of the decade, Bruce Berkowitz. He, uh, for many years, handled uh, my finances. And I said to him, Bruce, did you know Madoff? And he said, yeah, I knew him. He said he could go in a room and charm people like no one I've ever seen in my life. That was a great gift he had. And it allowed him to run a, a con the level, the likes of which, you know, the world had not seen. That's basically it. Mike asked, what has happened to Georgetown basketball? You know, it's very easy to lose. It's very easy to lose. And I did it just a couple of years removed from running the table and winning the Big East Championship at the Garden. But they have gone into a terrible slump. They have since broken that slump. They won a game against Paul, and they played a good game against uh, St. John's, you know, the other day. They lost by a bucket. But it's just gotten away from them. There's no question about it. I mean, they're, they're in a lot of games. They have some good players, but it's not enough. Look at Villanova this year. It shows you just how good Jay Wright was. Now, Moore just came back now in the last game in the loss to uh, Providence. But they have showed you how different it is, how different chemistry is, and how different coaching experience is. If you've watched Villanova this year, they've lost so many games that they could have won in the final minutes where they just don't execute. And in the past, they executed all the time. And that's why they have a losing record right now with a talented team. James emails, uh, after a game like that, where do you even go if you're the Niners? It was such an abomination. Is there anything to be learned? Hey, no, you throw that game out. Um. I've never seen a game where they lost. I did see Tom Maddy play quarterback once because they had no quarterback in a playoff game. But I never have seen two quarterbacks go down to where they did not have a player who could throw a forward pass. Now, you would say maybe these guys should go into a championship game with three quarterbacks on the roster just in case that happens. And maybe that's something they'll think of in the future. Because the game for all intents and purposes, didn't exist anymore in the second half because they didn't have anybody who could actually throw a forward pass. And I have not seen that before. So there was no way for the Niners to do anything because they had no one. I mean, even the touchdown they scored, they scored it because McCaffrey probably had the greatest run of the season. He must have broken four or five, which looked like, you know, sure tackles on his way to, to, to the end zone. Otherwise, they don't score in that game. But how are you going to score if you don't throw a forward pass? And they weren't capable of. Purdy had a serious injury. And Johnson got a concussion. So you're down to no quarterbacks. Uh, it's just, I don't think it detracts from what the Niners built this year. And I think their defense actually at times played well in that game. I mean, the Eagles didn't pass the ball well. Hurst didn't pass the ball well. But they ran the ball pretty well. And they also wore them down. And they also committed a bunch of penalties. The, you know, they had a rough in the kicker. They had a bunch of different penalties. They had three penalties on one drive. They had a rough in the kicker on the other drive. They had a personal foul on the other drive. So they had a million penalties in the game. So everything just got away from them. Always loved, this is Eric, I always loved your Super Bowl trivia. First with you and the dog. Yeah, dog did a great job as the marquee. And then years later with yourself, is there a specific question or audio from those 
that you remember being one of your favorites. I don't know. We used to get those audio number fours that we felt were unbelievable. And we just try to figure out whether or not the internet had it or not. And we usually could tell my guys, my producers could usually tell before, Hey, I think they have it now, but you'd hear all the rumbling out there and people would be looking at what people were saying. Hey, the answer is this. And when we knew it was wrong, we would keep throwing the question out because we knew that the one that the internet was giving to everybody was wrong. And they'll jump on the one that everybody thinks is right. And when it's wrong, it, it, it made it pretty funny. And it would go on for sometimes days. We'd use the same one. I, I, I remember one time we must have used the same audio. And if you ask me to remember who it was, I, I can't. I, I, can't, I can't remember. But we had some obscure one. And we must have used it for a week. I mean, it was hilarious. We must have used it for a week. And, they, and then somebody finally got it, but it took a long, long time. Uh, Doug asks, do you keep in touch with former fan guys? Well, I'm going to see one tomorrow, as you probably know if you've seen it, because it's got a lot of attention. I am going to do uh, ESPN visit with uh, Dog and Stephen A. tomorrow. Uh, it's been on plan for a while. Uh, really, we started talking about this last year. And I'm going to do it tomorrow on ESPN from 10 to 12. Dog's on on Wednesdays with Stephen A. And I'm going to be there tomorrow uh, from 10 to 12. And I don't know what we're going to chat about yet because I have no idea. They'll tell me today or tomorrow, I guess. Or maybe we'll wing it. I don't know. I, you know I have no problem winging it. So, But uh, I, I will see him. Um, Bob's gone through some uh, tough times. And I've talked to him a bunch of times. Bob Usler and Minko. Obviously. So, uh, you know, I hear from certain guys at certain times. So, uh, but, you know, we're, everybody's busy and you don't keep in touch as much as you should. You can always do more. Let's say it that way. But for the guys who are no longer there um, and who are my guys like Mink and Usler and guys like that, I try to. Uh, I try to from time to time. I was at the garden because I took my daughter there to see the Villanova St. John's game since she's going to Villanova next year and um, took a bunch of her friends there. But I never got down because I took a bunch of her friends to the game, so I didn't want to leave them alone. So I uh, never got down to see him courtside. I didn't go down. I wanted to go down and see Mink, but I didn't that time. But if I go during the Big East, I will try to, you know, I will definitely go over and uh, chat with Mink, you know. And those guys, Usler and Mink especially, we're a big part. Now, remember, Mons from the fan is with me now. He's my producer now, so he's with me. Uh, and I hear from certain guys like Malusas from time to time or Lakata and guys like that uh, from time to time. Sid's always texting me something or other. Um, so I, I do hear from some of them, you know, and you try to keep in touch. Remember, if you want to send one, an email, send it to MikeProfessorPodcast at gmail.com. We'll do some stuff later in the week. Uh, I was thinking of getting Jimmy Johnson up. Jimmy sent me a book. He's got a new biography out, and he just wrote. And uh, I don't know if they sent it to me because they wanted to promote it, or they sent it to me because he mentioned me in it. So maybe they sent it to the people who were mentioned in the book. I don't know if that's the case, but I got the book. I, I, I get a lot of books, but I don't always get every book. But they sent me Jimmy's book. So I thought maybe we, we would try to get Jimmy on and chat about things because, you know, I, 
we we reminisce about all the different things in his life as he continues on with Fox. Um, as far as uh, coaching situations, I'm glad Frank Wright got the job. I feel bad for Wilkes because he did a good job in Carolina, but you know now as a defensive coach, it's not easy to get a job. Everybody wants offensive coaches. Everybody wants their quarterback to be good. And young offensive guys are the guys who get the jobs now, almost all the time. Um, I think Reich will be a good coach there. Now, Carolina's got to find a quarterback. Okay? They, in the worst way, have to find a quarterback. But they played well late in the season. One of the biggest reasons they play well is because they were healthy. And they're healthy because they got a great guy running their, their program, uh, conditioning program, which is Rob Penarello, a guy who's a friend of mine who I've – Raved about in this business for years, and he's very good at it, and he's running the Carolina program. Um, and he'll be teamed with Frank Reich now. I think D'Amico Ryans, who's the defensive coordinator in San Francisco, will get the Houston Texan job. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't. Remember, he played there. Uh, and he is, a, I think, a lock to be a head coach. And I think, despite he's a defensive guy, I think he's going to get the job. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get the job in in Houston. And if I had a guess, now Kellen Moore being out and gone from Dallas, McCarthy's going to call the plays next year. I don't know if that's a good thing, but Hey, he's doing it his way. So he's staying there. I don't think I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you here in that. And this isn't fair to the guy who's there, but this is a, a fact of life. A lot of people, held out hoping the, the Charger job opened because they wanted to coach Herbert and that talent, and they thought that the Chargers were going to bounce him. They didn't. He's coming back. Staley's coming back for another year. He did make a lot of changes in the staff, but he's coming back, and a lot of guys had their eye on that job. First of all, where the franchise is. Secondly, you got Herbert and a lot of talent, and a lot of guys had their eye on that job. So... Some guys, I think, even went back because jumped out of the, the group this year because they were hoping that job would open and may even want to sit and wait one more year to see if it opens. Because next year, it's now and never for the head coach there. Because they very much like the idea of jumping in where you have a young quarterback like a Lawrence or a Herbert or somebody like that. Um, I'm not sure Sean will take a job this year. He might sit and wait one more year and go back to TV. I also wouldn't be a thousand percent locked in that things still don't get very crazy with the Rams. I don't think everything's settled there. So, and that team's got a tough things to this. They got a lot of older players making a lot of money, and now they're going downhill. And that's a tough situation for them. They did win their Super Bowl, but the bottom line is now that's a tough situation. It really is. But um, I don't guarantee Sean's in the league this year. I would not be surprised if he went back to TV. And I also wouldn't even be surprised if there's a couple other like, – like something even happens with the Rams where he doesn't stay. I think that's possible. I know we said he's staying. I just don't think everything's locked in there yet. We'll see what happens. And we'll see you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.
Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.